Hey everyone, um, I'm Will Jones. I'm uh, part of the Southside House Church and um, I have my wife here. Yes, hi, I'm Cammie Jones. I'm also part of the Southside House Church. Yes, uh, this may be a little bit surprising. Um, this was sort of, I was, I was prepared and planned to teach on our text uh, today, which is Mark 13. Um, and all week uh, I've been reading it and Cammie's been reading it and listening to it. Um, and right before I came over here, we were just talking about the text and what I was gonna say and, and uh, you know, everything that we're about to talk about. And she was coming up with stuff that I had not thought about. I had not, uh, just hadn't made connections, uh, particularly, you know, about like what we might call application. And, and so I kind of just on the fly said, man, it'd be great if, if you just came and we just had a conversation about Mark 13, if we just recorded the conversation we just had. So uh, we took a leap, followed the Holy Spirit, and here we are uh, together. Um, so let's, uh, let's, before we dive into it, let's pray. So could, could you pray for us? Yeah. Um, dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word and um, all of the truth and majesty that we find in it. Um, Lord, I just pray over this time that um, you would help us understand your word clearly in the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would give us um, just very clear insights into what you mean to say to us today. And um, Lord, I also just pray that if anything we teach or understand is not correct, that um, it would just fall off our lips um, and out of ears and not into hearts. Um, yeah, um, Holy Spirit, please enter here with us um, and give us um, new understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so we're going to talk about Mark 13 today. Mark 13 is, uh, the chapter is kind of in between two, uh, two sections in Mark. So it comes right after um, a few chapters that narrate Jesus' triumphant, uh, entry into the temple. Jesus teaches in the temple, right? He cleanses the temple, the things that we've been talking about the previous weeks. And then Mark 14 begins, begins the be it's the beginning of the end, right? It's, it's the plot to kill Jesus. It's, uh, it's the, the events leading up to and including uh, his death and then eventual resurrection, right? So in, in between the Jesus entering the temple and the, the plot to kill Jesus, there's this chapter, um, which is a, it's a it's a prophetic chapter, and that makes it sometimes a little bit difficult to, to read and interpret. Um, but it it uh, sometimes called the Olivet Discourse. It's it's in Mark, uh, it's in um, Matthew twenty four, it's in Luke twenty one, right? So it's not just in one gospel; it's in three gospels. Um, and it begins uh, with. Jesus leaving the temple, right? So you see the transition from being in the temple and now Mark 13, verse one, and he came out of the temple. One of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings, right? So, I mean, I can imagine um, what they're feeling, right? They they leave this this building that I, I, in my mind's eye is huge. And it's really just not just one building, it's a complex, right? It's a temple complex. And maybe they get some some distance out of it, right? And they turn around and they see the, the, the majesty of it, right? They see not only this, this tall, large, big building, right? We know from 
uh, Josephus, who's a, a Jewish writer, historian, that it was probably lined with gold. The walls were lined with gold, so when the sun hit it, it glittered, right? I think maybe it's like tall enough to actually have a shadow, to cast a shadow. It's just majestic, right? Um, I, you know, if I sometimes feel this way when you look at a skyline, the skyline is actually behind me, right? So if he's, th this is a feeling that I, I feel like they are feeling what I feel if I look at a skyline or maybe a big mountain. It's like, wow, look at this thing. And they remark, they remark about it, right? They look, look at the, look at this temple. And Jesus uses their wonderment at, at the majesty of the temple to uh, introduce, right, to plant the seed for some teaching, to plant the seed for some prophecy. His response to them is in verse 2, And Jesus said to, to him, uh, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Right? It's, it's a little bit of a Debbie Downer. It's a little bit of a, you know, but that's not Jesus' point. He's not being negative to be negative. He's, he's trying to teach. He's going to use this to teach, which it piques some disciples' interest. In the next verses, they go to the Mount of Olives. This is why this section is often called the Olivet Discourse. And John, uh, Peter, James, John, and Andrew come up to him privately, and they say in verse 4, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? All right, so when someone tells you, <laughs> right? Something that's going to happen in the future, right? Particularly something terrible or destructive is going to happen. You would want to know when, you would want to know what signs to look out for, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think especially if you're an ancient Jew, you want to know because you come from this culture of like preparation mm -hmm. and expectation and like, I just wonder if behind that question is like, well, let us know so we can get ready. You know, right. So I can be blameless, clean, righteous, mm. you know, I wonder if that's, you know, they're still holding on a little bit to this idea that they can, they can prepare themselves for what's coming. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, this, this, these first verses, right, are sort of setting up the rest of the chapter for the prophecy that Jesus is going to say. And he's really trying to teach and show them this sort of eternal mindset, right? Hey, this building that looks, it just, it's, it's majestic, right? It's looks, it's made of stone. It looks permanent. It, it's going to crumble one day, you know? And, uh, so Jesus is going to then spend the rest of his time prophesying about that, prophesying about his return and telling the disciples, you know, how to live with the knowledge of those the, of of these prophecies um mark 13 is is it's probably two prophecies in one right there's a very concrete like this is going to happen to the temple which does happen in ad 70 right the temple is destroyed by the romans in ad 70 uh so verses 5 through 23 right that's about the destruction of the temple and then there's Another section, verses 24 through 27, which are the coming of the Son of Man, the, 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 second, return, the second coming of Jesus. Well, um, and also, I mean, the destruction of the temple is a prophecy about what's, what's about to happen to Jesus. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, I mean, so it's kind of this, like, really, in this really um, complex yeah, prophecy. Which, which makes it hard to read without, like... Missing like <laughs> yeah, exactly, which is always the case with prophecy, right? Yeah. Um, and the, the other difficult thing, at least for me when I read 
prophecy is, you know, seeing how this applies to me today, right? Seeing how either, okay, well, this is talking about a specific event that happened years ago, right? The destruction of the temple in 87, it doesn't apply to me. That already happened. Or, okay, this is talking about an event that's going to happen way after me. I don't have to worry about this. And also, like, some of the stuff that are mentioned in prophecies that we'll get to are really, they're kind of scary. They're stuff of horror movies, really, right? They're stuff of disaster flicks. <laughs> it's just hard to, you know, it's easy to sort of not suspend your, suspend your disbelief, right? To sort of say, ah, I don't have to worry about that. Um, we're not going to unravel full eschatology here. That's just, like, beyond the scope. I want to highlight some themes um, that are in Mark 13, that are also in uh, the other Olivet Discourses in the Gospels, they're also in Revelation, right? There's talk of wars, uh, there's natural destruction, right? So earthquakes, famines, stars falling, right? Sky going dark, mm -hmm. verse, uh, verse 8, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. Uh, that, these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Uh, verses 24 and 25, but in those days, this, this is about Jesus' return, in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Um, there's targeting of Christians in, in uh, end times prophecies. Christians are, are uh, commanded to endure, right? They're commanded to, commanded to uh, proclaim the gospel always in all places. Um, there's division, right? Society turns against itself. Um, <clears throat> verses 12 and 13. Brother will deliver brother over to death. Father, the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. Uh, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Um, you know, it's, it's this sort of stuff that when I read it, I'm like, wow, that's awful. I'm glad I don't live during that time. You know, mm -hmm. but it's kind of like there's an irony there because we actually have lived through difficult times, mm -hmm. right? This pa past 18 months, mm -hmm. we've lived, we've seen how our lives that we thought were pretty on strong foundations, right? Our society that we thought was on pretty strong foundations, right? It was kind of like that, that temple has just been transformed and, and many things have just been lost because of, you know, the, the coronavirus pandemic. We've experienced this, we've lived through it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, now when I read prophecy, that's what comes to mind for me, right? Is how, how illusory a lot of my life is, you know? Um, there's, uh, we also, you know, we also know that, we've seen also that the Jesus characterization of humanity in Mark 13, uh, during trials and tribulations, it's also pretty on point, right? We've seen people hoarding stuff, mm -hmm. right? We've seen nations blaming other nations for the coronavirus pandemic, right? We've seen people blaming uh, people who don't look like them or aren't from the same place they're from, particularly in our context, it's Asians and Asian Americans, right? We've seen that. Uh, we've seen price gouging on Amazon and other things. Um, another common theme in, pro in these Things uh, in these books of prophecies is is beware false messiah is telling Christians beware false messiahs beware false teachers, right? Because in hard times there's people who come and say, hey, I can save you, right? Mm -hmm. I'm the one, I'm I can be your answer to this, mm -hmm. you know. And and we know from from journalists and social scientists who study 
conspiracy theories and people who follow conspiracy theories that when the pandemic, you know, in its early days and even till now, that, that, that all that is upkept, right? Because people are trying to find answers. They're trying to find saviors. Why is the world the way it is right now? Mm-hmm. Um, so when we read Mark 13 and other sections of the prophetic books, right? We, uh, right now, we can actually identify a lot of the stuff. Not saying that, oh, this is what's happening. We're living in this moment necessarily, but uh, hey, this is how humans act, right? This is how temporary my life is. Yeah, so I think it is um, fair to say that we are sort of living in um, these times, right? There's a distinction between like the the famine, the natural disasters, all of this stuff, and the end times, if you Mm -hmm. see in verse 7, right? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, so let's read it. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. Or there's worse stuff to come. Right, sure, 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 sure. Bad, more bad stuff's coming. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I think uh, Jesus is just saying like, hey, you know, the world is suffering. This is suffering. Don't look at all suffering as the end of it all mm-hmm. because there's more to come which seems really bad it seems really hard <laughs> but i actually think there's some hopefulness some expectation here of like hey you know you're suffering um but don't panic because you have a greater hope mm-hmm. something that's that's going to happen far in the future or maybe close in the future we don't know mm-hmm. But um, there is sort of an eternal hope that we can cling to when these hard things are happening. And if I really look inward, and I think about some of the bad things that have happened, uh, that have happened over the last year, um, and I look at my reactions, you know, I panic. I'm alarmed <laughs> pretty quickly. And Jesus is saying, like, hey, don't panic. Your reaction as a follower of Jesus should be more hopeful than that. Right. should be more calm. should right. be... Um, you know, not out of your own strength, but because we have these promises mm-hmm. from Christ. Um, and I think it's, um, I, I think it's really cool too, if you kind of look forward for the hope, right? So sometimes I'm skimming in these prophecies for the hope, because <laughs> right. there's a sure, lot sure, of sure. hard stuff here, right? Yeah. But if you skim forward um, a little bit, it says, um, Over here in verse 19, when he actually begins to talk about what we know as the tribulation, which is this sort of really bad situation, right? This is not just a war or famine. This is going to be really, really bad. Um, It says, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. So I actually find this really life-giving because it's basically saying, like, because God loved us, he's already given us a solution to this problem, right? And and he's already intervened in Christ. Like, he's, Jesus is saying, like, hey, I'm here. Mm -hmm. I'm the intervention, Mm -hmm. Right. you know? Right. Which is why we don't need to panic. We don't need right? to panic. We don't, when the temple falls, right, to continue the metaphor, we don't need to freak out. Yeah, and we also need to see ourselves differently. Because it says, I mean, it literally says, for the sake of the elect, because of those he loved, right, because of his followers, he intervened. Mm-hmm. So to some extent, like, we're walking around as, like, 
medication for all of the bad stuff that's sure. going to happen. Sure, sure, like sure. we are God's way of intervening and healing the world. I don't usually see myself like that. <laughs> and so I don't really see opportunities to, you know, to yeah. heal, yeah, to, yeah. to do all, you know, all of the things that God's called me to do. Um, but I, I do think that's what Jesus is saying here. Like, Hey, you're kind of special. Like mm -hmm. your evidence that God has, um, has come to, to shorten these bad times. Right. Sure. Okay. So he then, um, continuing, right. Continuing this point that that Jesus loves us, he cares for us, right? He he wants us to be prepared. Right? Mm -hmm. Uh so he actually, right, he he gives an answer for sort of how to prepare, but it's not maybe the same one that the disciples are, no. are thinking. Right? Like if you remember what I suggested in the beginning, right? Like the disciples have all these ideas about preparation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah, usually yeah. like, I mean, they're coming from a really, a culture full of like pretty legalistic yeah, uh, yeah. preparation, but this is something like different. This is very different, right? So what he says at the end of, of Mark 13, where he, where he actually answers, directly answers the the question that was posed to him by his by his disciples, right? Um, if we remember in in verse, uh, oh, where is it? Verse three. Oh wait, no, for, verse four. Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign, and when all these things are about to be accomplished, right? That's the question. They're not expecting from the question this whole prophecy about the destruction of the temple and the Son of Man returning, and you know all of this stuff. That's not what they're expecting, mm -hmm. right? And the answer that he gives is in verse 32, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. No one knows, right? Mm -hmm. But, but because he's Jesus and he cares about us, he also wants us to be, right? What do you, what do you, how do you prepare if you don't know the time or when it's going to happen, right? How do you prepare? His answer, right, is repeated throughout the final section of Mark 13, right? We see it in verse 33. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. Keep awake. The verse 35, therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And then the final verse of the whole chapter, in the last words of the chapter, and what I say to you, I say to all, Stay awake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Stay awake. That's what he says. Because you don't know, right? You don't know when when the trials and the tribulations are going to happen. It's going to get worse before it gets better, mm -hmm. right? There, we're, uh, his, his answer is because of all that, stay awake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which, of course, to me then raises the question, well, what does that mean, stay awake? Stay awake. Yeah. What does it mean? Now, I think we can rule out the, the sort of fascist answer is like not sleep, like literally not sleep. Right, not yes. saying, but you see, you're you're allowed to yeah, sleep. Everyone That's okay. Can sleep. Everyone can sleep, right? That's not what he means. He means it in a in a in a spiritual sense. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of um, parallel here between the way we think about being alive in Christ and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. To me. That's what staying awake is in the Christian life. Like, am I surrendering to the Holy Spirit? Am I filling my life mm -hmm. up with the Holy Spirit and doing the things, you know, that the Holy Spirit is asking me to do each day, right? I think it's totally normal. Like, we all slumber. Um, I think, to me, this scripture is evidence that, like, hey, hey, when we're, like, 
feel like we're slumbering. We're not really connected with God. We're not really like doing the things we're supposed to do. Like that's pretty normal because Jesus is warning against it. Like that's right. kind of natural. Yeah. We're not like evil people. No. If we like take a break, you know, but. Right. Jesus, that's we're finite, right? It's yeah. a mark of our sinfulness. We're, we're going to sleep, right? Yeah. The mark of, of maturity would be maybe how long. Right? How little, long am I how, willing to snap out of it? Right. right yeah. If we extend, I surrender. If we again. extend the metaphor, right? Children sleep more than adults. Mm -hmm. Like just human children. Sleep. Yeah. I mean, Thomas sleeps, you know, like sixteen hours right. a day. So we would expect mature Christians to stay awake longer than, longer than yeah. 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 I mean, I think there's um, just really like a strong call on the Christian life in this sense. Um, Especially in this season of, of our church, of our community, you know, I just think like culturally in the U.S., we, we do some things that sort of like, like put us to sleep almost. Mm. Like we sort of introduce like some, some NyQuil <laughs> into our gatherings sometimes yeah. even, right? So like when I think about being alive in the Holy Spirit, like, you know, um, I'm probably not going to like go to my house church and be like, okay, we're going to start now. We're probably going to be done in like an hour. And then I'm going to go like have some tacos. Like I'm probably not going to enter into my relationships with other Christians, always thinking of what I'm going to do outside of that time. Right. Like my, my scripture says, stay at your post. When mm -hmm. I think about my post, right? Like, like it's living the Christian life in community. Yeah. It's being filled with the Holy Spirit. Reading so like, scripture, right? Reading scripture, our praying. eyes have to be open to do that, right? Yeah. Praying, our mouths have to Hearing, be able to speak. Like, right? Hearing. I want to be able to hear the other people in Christ. I want to be able to hear the words that, that God is giving yeah. you. Um, and Sharing so the gospel. Yeah. Hearing other people's stories of life transformation because of Jesus. Yeah. Right? These are all things we get to do when we're awake, when we're asleep. You know, it's not, we can't do that stuff. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, I think this is, it feels like a hard teaching, right? Because it's a high calling. It yeah. feels hard, but it's actually like just so much more life-giving than what the disciples had in mind or than mm. what I had in mind, right? Yeah. So like the disciples probably thought like, okay, well, I need to do this many healings. And like, <laughs> you know, it, like they just probably had an idea of like how their days were going to be spent. And sometimes I have that too. Like I need to just read my Bible at this time mm -hmm. and then do this and you know, I think that this is more freeing. It's it's like, hey, like stay awake all the time. Right. Don't box yourself into mm -hmm. thinking, I'm gonna check off all these things and then wait for God to come back. Right. Right. You know. Right. So don't live in 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 awe of the 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 physical structure of the world around us. Yeah. Right? Don't be distracted by the glittery golden temple that you can see, mm -hmm. right? Be, be, live in awe of Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah. Stay, stay, fix your I mean, eyes like, on you God know, and Jesus, stay awake. Yeah, like, and, and you, had, you had an illustration about a dot and a line. I do, I do. Let me say one more thing okay. about this, and then I'm going to say the dot and the line, because okay. I know okay. we're going to run out of time. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the temple itself that they're looking at that's glittering, in some ways, it's become a symbol for them of tradition. Mm -hmm. of like culture and tradition. And I think it's so easy for us, you know, as the American church to, to see the glittery tradition and just to really want to cling on to that. Mm -hmm. And I think Jesus is just saying like, hey, that's good. Sure, the temple's beautiful. Yeah, he's not saying good. the temple's bad, It's right? not that. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's where God dwells on sure. earth, right? In the inner sanctum of the temple, right? Yeah, but he's saying like, hey, but it's good. 
but you actually don't need it. Right. You know, it's not a need. What you need to do is be awake, be alive in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So one way I, I like to kind of practically think about this um, in my daily life, I don't do this every day, but sometimes I try to check in a little bit. Um, I really like this illustration of the dot and the line. So I think it'd be cool if everyone took out a pen or pencil and a piece of paper. Um, if you don't have one, go pause, go get it, come back. <laughs> um, you know, okay, so got your paper. Draw a line across that paper, just a straight line and two arrows at the end because um, that line doesn't end with your paper. It is eternity. Like it, it's going out there. Then pick any spot on the line and put a little dot. That's your life. And, and it's my life, right? Because we're living together. Yeah. It's our life. We're all life. just dots on the big line. <laughs> on the big know? line. Put that dot on that <laughs> line. Um, and just, just take some time. You know, you can pause this, take some time, reflect, and just ask the Lord, am I living for the dot or the line? Um, and I, you know, I always, I find myself living for the dot all the time. Mm. Um, what am I going to do yeah. next with my life? What, you know, in the next 10 years, what do I want? How am I going to get through this day? Right. How, How am I going to do what I have to do so that I can just sit on the couch and veg till I fall asleep? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, check out the dot, check out the line and just take some time to reflect with the Lord. Um, and I guess if you don't have anything, I'll go ahead and close this out here. Yeah, sure. No, I do not. I do cool. not. I think this is a good, a good, good place. Live, yeah. live with the, with an eternal perspective, stay awake. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And we're going to see how hard it is, um, in the next few chapters because the disciples are actually going to fall asleep when they're supposed to stay awake. Right. And they're going to desert their post. Yeah. Right. They're going so, to do the thing that he says not to do. Yeah. So Jesus knows, he knows our hearts. Um, he knows your heart. He knows mm -hmm. how hard it is to stay awake, to stay alive, but, um, just be empowered by the Holy spirit. Um, yeah, be encouraged and not um, and not worried by yeah. these things that, that Jesus has to say for us. So um, I'll just pray and then we'll close, close out. Um, dear Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you have given us eternity, um, that it's a gift, that it is an amazing kind of unfathomable thing to live our lives for. Um, I, I just am in total awe of your gift of eternity. Um, God, please just make us people that live for that line that, um, Lord, just help us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we wouldn't grow weary, um, that we would walk and not faint, that we would run the race set before us with vigor and enjoyment in you, um, that our love for you would just become so big that, um, our sacrifices would, would even just feel small to us, um. Lord, help us to stay at our post. Um, we don't know when you're coming back, uh, but we can await that day with great anticipation. Um, we love you. Um, you're the giver of all good things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.